Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. I think this is this might be 10 years running. Uh, so if you're a longtime listener, you'll know if we're playing Louisville, we're having Mark Ennis join us. So we'll cut straight to it. Thank our friends at Tarpon Sellers and Charlie Park, tarponsellers.com. Coupon code Nolcast, 20% off any purchases in Charlie Park, Tallahassee's best rooftop bar, and always a great place to keep in the back of your head, whether it be a Friday night or a Sunday morning, and as is, Mark, great to see you again. Great to talk to you. Let's talk about a uh, pretty interesting game that lies ahead for both programs here on Friday night. Appreciate you guys uh, having me on again. I do look forward to this. I think your listeners look forward to it. I start hearing from them, you know, on the when they Monday when they realize, like, oh, it's Louisville week. They're going. He's going to be on the NoCast again. I look forward to it, and I'm going to try to look at the camera and not my own face, so that it doesn't look weird for this one. I'm going to do my best. The, the radio guy do it doing YouTube. Yeah, I love exactly, it. exactly. I think this has to be year nine because Louisville joined the ACC in fourteen, right? That's right. So this yep, would be the ninth playing playing his bud role, but oh, uh, yes, that was the amazing uh, Devonte Parker first play of the game didn't score, uh, fumble into the end zone that Florida State recovered, threw the ball through a Louisville defender, Nick uh, O'Leary, yes, uh, like. Crossbody back slam on uh, whoever the, the and guy America's ball was. real first great look at Dalvin Cook, who yeah. scorched them in the second half of that game. So fun game fun and Erman Lane's career highlight. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's that's right. right. Every, everything absolutely. And Gerard Holloman, one more interception that he drops. If he picks that thing off, they might have blown FSU out in that game. It it's crazy to think how some of these things could have gone. Maybe maybe uh, maybe Petrino's still there if uh, if if that. Yeah. Wait, no, was was that Petrino? Oh, twenty four. It was his. Yeah, it was yeah. his first year uh, there. Petrino, Jimbo. Now look at all of us. Jeez, man. Yeah, we, we definitely look different than we did nine years ago. <laughs> I agree. Oh gosh. All right. So Louisville Mark is one and one this year, but we want to start out talking about something that Ingram put on the sheet because I'm also interested in this. No oh, boy. New club level, man. Yeah. No. They. So a lot of the stadium uh, is is like gen two, you know, like it, like it was brand new in 98 and it nothing from 98 is brand new anymore. So uh, the interesting thing with them is it was the Brown and Williamson club that bought the naming rights kind of in perpetuity. And Brown and Williamson doesn't even exist anymore. It's a tobacco company mm-hmm. you know, and they were based here and they were huge. And it was, it took like a year and a half for the former athletic director, Vince Tyree, who you guys know uh, <laughs> a little bit uh, to basically like track down the legal rights to get to change the name. Wow. Uh, from like a European country that had kind of bought what remained of Brown and Williamson years ago. So it took them forever. But Angel's Envy is one of several local bourbon companies that's really big on on UofL. They paid 4 or $5 million to completely renovate the thing, and it looks awesome. That stadium's come a long way. And it so was four, already pretty fun. 4 or $5 million on the new club level, and can you confirm – Four million or so on a Wi-Fi system as well. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm making yes. it up there on Friday market. I'm excited to try this thing out because that seems like one a great investment, two yeah. larger number than I thought, and three if recruits can't post what they're doing on Instagram, are they even recruits at that point? So uh, it's, you know, um, it's funny. Their fans were like, "Oh, I'm so excited! This is like you know," the, and they've marketed as sort of fan friendly. Mm-hmm. So, fan, but it's like this is for recruits to put their stuff on Instagram. Like, don't pretend this is for anything other than that but it's it was it was like going into a black hole you know on game days and i just went up to bloomington for when they played illinois last friday and the same thing happens there even more 
So hopefully they have it fixed. I mean, I've connected to it, not with, with 50, 60,000 people there, but it does work. We'll see. Awesome. There you go. Um, all right. So team-wise, this is a weird team to watch through two games. I'm not really sure I have a great handle on exactly who they are, but offensively, they're, the passing game is pretty bad so far, but they've hit some explosive plays. The offense... They weirdly have one of the lowest rushing success rates in the country, but yet they also hit explosive plays. Is is this just what it's going to be? Like, like, it, are you surprised at this? I, I, I was kind of thinking their offensive line and Malik combination would set them up in more manageable down and distances. And so far, it's been just all feast or famine for the most part. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right, and that's exactly how they were two years ago in the COVID year. It was, it was like first and ten, second and nine, third and seven. 26 yard pass or you know 17 yard run or whatever like they were so uh, just frustratingly fits and starts and it's a lot like that this year i think but what you're noticing about the offensive line is what they thought would happen i think they thought there had been real progress uh two years ago it, they uh big plays and a lot of tackles for loss and then last year they really cut way down on tackles for loss allowed it was a, a lot better and you can understand like that zone blocking scheme kind of requires everybody to work together guys play together a long time things get better uh, and then this year i think they really thought they'd really be able to kind of muscle people up and they have not and uh, against syracuse they lined up uh tight end and a fullback or two tight ends a ton two wide receivers and really tried to like bunch it up and really muscle them up and it didn't work at all it was awful against ucf they spread it out a little bit more i think they'll do the same thing with fsu and i think they've realized hey we're gonna run we're going to read people. We're going to re- Malik and, and Tyon Evans, the transfer from Tennessee, who's looked really good so far. We're going to read people and, and play with a little bit more space. So I don't think it'll look anything like Syracuse. I think it'll look a lot like it did against UCF. Yeah, especially the second half of UCF, they look good. You yeah. mentioned the offensive line. They are uh, almost dead last in the nation in terms of off- – it's weird because we're two games in, and Louisville's actually played right. two legit opponents, and most people have not. They are averaging six offensive line penalties per game so far this year, which is a lot. I mean, that's almost dead last. Thank you, Nevada, for for, for saving them. Um, There's always a Nevada. Always. <laughs> oh, gosh. Always. And 100, 114th in havoc allowed so far this yeah. year. I, it's interesting to say they're going to spread them out. Ingram, I know you had a follow-up. Sorry, I was just uh, – no, I mean, it's it's interesting. Whenever I think of a, a Satterfield offense, I think an outside zone and then some of the play action and boots that come off it. But this this offense has been even more run dependent than I, I would think. And again, Bud's right. We've only played two games. Louisville happens to be one of the few team that's actually played two opponents so far. Um, if I'm guessing on the health of running backs that aren't called Tyon Evans, do you think Jalen Mitchell goes and Cooley doesn't, or what do you expect yeah. from those two? Satterfield kind of said yesterday, you know, don't expect to see much Jalen Mitchell, if any at all, and that you do okay. expect to see Cooley. Haven't seen Cooley at all uh, so far this year. Uh, the guy that sort of threw the monkey wrench into things is Jahar Jordan, the kid transferred in from from Syracuse and is by far the smallest of the group, but can really him. Mean, he can fly, like he can really run. Uh, and it'll be Evans, it'll be Jordan, and it'll be Cooley. Will be the three, and I, I think the offense reflects that the line hasn't sort of taken that that step where they're really mashing people. Uh, they've been very, very sloppy in terms of penalties, you know, and that sort of thing. I think Syracuse, it's funny, the havoc rate, you know, against them is bad. Lance Taylor was like, Syracuse defense is a havoc-creating defense, and they just, they tortured Louisville. It was just a, I think they'd love to flush that game completely. Like, they would love a mulligan for that whole game. Uh, and then some of it's, I think, reflective of the fact that they don't have 
a burner at wide receiver to sort of make teams be a little bit more honest than they did when Tutu was there or even mm-hmm. Tyler Harrell a year ago, who, you know, who really in the second half of last year kind of emerged as a deep guy and now is watching football at Alabama. Uh, it's uh, They don't have a guy that can fly like that. And so the wide receiver weapons are a little different, a little more catch, run after the catch, a little bigger, uh, but nothing like that. So the offense just looks different, and I think they're just sort of feeling it out. At me today, they were talking a lot about making Malik more of a pocket passer. And I was like, why? Like, yeah. is this is this putting on a show for Pierce Clarkson, the <laughs> like to show this offense can be more of a pocket passing offense? And if you guys don't know at home, Pierce Clarkson is the Louisville uh, quarterback commit whose you know, dad is very involved in the recruiting scene and uh, quarterback camps. And one of the reasons why they're getting a lot of kids, I think, to come along with him to Louisville. I don't know what uh, you're talking about, but of course not. Uh, three-stripe life so uh you know in the second half of UCF though they they were like actually oh we, we got to win some games like yeah. can we just run Malik a lot at I assume that's what we'll see now going forward is Malik's legs uh, yes and, and I think unstructured Malik legs uh, is really the big thing and it, Scott said uh, after the game and then at the press conference yesterday too that they really regretted the fact that they felt like they psyched Malik out for the Syracuse game where it was like, we're, we're going to domesticate you. You know, you're going to be like Russell Wilson, not whatever it is that you do, you know, now sort of keep you there and you're going to wait, and you're going to make throws and, and it was awful. And it's just not like, I know you'd love for him to develop. I kind of was begging people yesterday on the show to, to just, okay, he's not going to turn into Russell Wilson. Like he doesn't have to become a great NFL pocket passer. He doesn't have to become one at all. Like, why not just enjoy the fact that he's, a super good improviser. He's a very good runner and he'll hit six out of 10 throws and just live with it. Instead of expecting like, this is going to be the one where he turns into Aaron Rodgers. He's just not. And I think the coaches realize that too. They're like, we can preach this crap all we want, but when the lights come on, he just sort of reverts the schoolyard guy, but he's still the best option by a lot. And so they'll just play to it from here on out. Especially given what you said about the receiver group. Yep. Right. I mean, like, yep. it, so yeah, I, I mean, just watching the outside, what they were doing second half against UCF is like, that's the Louisville I remember yep. giving defenses trouble in the ACC. These first three halves that I've watched at Louisville, uh, that is not a whole lot of trouble. Well, it's like they for, tried to be grown part. up, right? It was yeah. Like, we're going to be, you know, we're going to run on, Around second and ten, no matter what anybody says, but we're gonna we're gonna run. You know, it drives me crazy. They, they love some passing down run rates. Uh, I think um, you know Parker Fleming, the stats of war guy, said that like it, run versus run expectancy, they're like a hundred and six. Like it's crazy yeah. how often they run. If there's the coin flip, Scott's like, how about we run it? They uh, they run it forty eight percent of the time so far on passing downs. <laughs> Na- national <laughs> national average is thirty three. That's so. wonderful. I'm gonna use that today. Yeah, that's uh. So if you're FSU's defense, you who by the way, by the way, that's like the worst way to try to outsmart people. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to no no to talk about people. Like the worst way to be like, I'm gonna break tendency by doing the least efficient thing. Also, you're not breaking tendency if you've done it every year you've been in the league (laughs) for like five years or however long that's been there. Um, Good point. Like if Mike Leach all of a sudden started doing it. That would that would confuse some people. Well, it's like when people are like you ever wondered why you're always open when you shoot that shot, like in basketball. It's because they love that you're sh- like. It's yeah. the same kind of thing, yeah. Um, however, the version of the Louisville offense that we saw in prior years has eight defensive coordinator Adam Fuller's lunch in the first half of these games to the tune of like sixty-two points and 
700 yards, etc. I don't know how much FSU you've watched. I assume you watched the, the game yep. against LSU. I didn't gain much from Duquesne, so you're going to forgive me. I actually watched yeah. more of that <laughs> when it was happening, but yeah, I'm primarily drawing upon the LSU game. I feel like they're a lot better at line, FSU's defense. It is much better at linebacker this year. They don't have guys that can just be picked. I'm not saying they have the best linebacker core in the ACC, but I don't think they have guys who can be picked on anymore. Just, just like total sitting ducks in the passing game with 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 Bethune, who they actually took from UCF. He was probably UCF's best defensive player, uh, and then Kalen Deloge. It this is like from our perspective, this is probably the best defensive linebacking group that, that FSU's had since. We thought, think maybe 14. So, like, that's interesting. Well, and you think about, like, where if you could pick a level of a defense to be substandard, like Louisville's the worst with that outside zone and boots and, and, and the the things that where they sort of force you to sort of think and flow and then try to get you going the other way and that sort of, like, linebacker would be the worst place to be bad. Uh, and it has been, yes. Right, and they take it <laughs> yeah. right. That's a, it's a big reason why I think Louisville sort of had some success offensively against FSU. And to the extent that FSU is better there, it'll be a, a more difficult challenge. Uh, Syracuse has good linebackers. Yeah. You know, like, the, And it showed against what Louisville tried to do in that game. So if it's anywhere close to that, Louisville's got the work cut out for him. I'm interested in how much Louisville runs the ball. Uh, you know, like LSU did not run it very well on, on, on it. They didn't throw it well, but like, Jaden Daniel scrambling around was was their best option, yeah. but they wasn't. It was it was sort of off script scrambling. It wasn't a whole lot of like, like zone read type stuff. I, I am curious if Louisville <clears> sticks <throat> with, with the early down run stuff, whether they'll involve Malik's legs more in some of the design runs. Which I well, it's and it's been like frustrating with what Louisville does offensively because I think they've done a good job kind of uh, being a first down passing team and play action on first down, but then like to the like whatever they gain by doing that, they just give it away by running on second long like over and over and over again. It's, it's such a an odd, you know. I think Scott does entire things entirely by feel. Like there's no analytics that sort of challenge what he thinks anywhere. He's just sort of like ah, I think it's going to work, and they just do it. One thing that could be interesting is uh, I don't have we gotten final word on Fabian Lovett's health. Uh, I'm not sure it was a injury at in this the, point. No, in the last series of the LSU game, Mark looked to be an ankle injury that uh, obviously he's had 12 days to recover. So, but if right. if Lovett's not there, I mean Lovett, we're not real big fanboys on this podcast, uh, as you know. But Lovett <laughs> is very good, and I also have to say he may be one of the more humiliating block shedders that I've seen. Like he doesn't just get off a block; he frequently turns a would-be blocker into kind of a pinball as he's thrown horizontally along the line of scrimmage. But, uh, you know, I, I don't – again, you don't know exactly what happened. It happened at the end of the LSU game. You can actually see it in the final two or three plays of the game if you go back and look at it. Uh, but I don't think that that guy's been a full go ever since. So I think we've all assumed that he's going to start on Friday. He probably is. And he uh, said on Instagram that he was good. He remember? said he was good, but that was five or Instagram six days or ago. Twitter. And yeah, exactly. he's, he still hasn't been acknowledged as as good. So they have some something depth to there. keep in the in the back of everybody's mind. But like love it's their best he tackle if healthy. So I mean obviously that that'll that'll be something to watch. Um I'm I'm interested like in how FSU's ends, whether they do they need to be disciplined or do they just like let the backers clean it up and let them let them create havoc? Because like Jared Verse against LSU. We we thought that was an advantage against LSU that like LSU media did not. And it turned out we were right on that. Like yeah. he he bullied that kid a lot. But he's also very much an up the field guy. You know, as, as I'm sure you saw in the LSU game. Yep. 
do you ask him to rein that in when he's playing the run more, or do you just say, "Hey, like, go try to wreck stuff, and we'll like we'll let Deloach and and, uh, and Bethune clean up behind you." It's, no, I I would do exactly what Syracuse did, uh, and whatever air to the side of havoc. I would not. Now they rushed, I think, under control, but in yeah. terms of like discipline and, and sort of a, nobody was being asked to just sort of occupy space. Like it was all like get wherever the hell you're going to get. And I would, I think Florida State would be wise to do the same thing. That makes sense to me. Yeah, FSU's corners, I I think have been underwhelming so far this year. Safety tandem is maybe the best two in the in the ACC with with, with Dent Robinson. Are you saying greedy Vance did not solve your cornerback problems? Yeah, I, I was not a huge fan of that take. Uh, they they really done a tremendous job in the transfer portal this year. Like overall, I mean they they lost two of the kids who they took on the offensive line to uh, to in, season ending injury already, mm-hmm. but they took four and the other. Yeah, Louisville lost the defensive line. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, J- Jermaine, right? Right. Um, you know, we'll we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, I, I got some questions about about that that side of the ball. Sure. But yeah, the van the Vance take so far has not really uh, panned out. But it's been two games, but it's also right. been you know spring ball and and summer camp and all that stuff so i, I don't we, i was, was it even uh portal know. activity or was it just a straight swap for brownlee i know uh, right <laughs> players to be named later yeah <laughs> i would love to know uh over time uh and this may be like a, a you thing or a bill Connolly thing i don't know how we'd even measure it but like are there positions that just sort of seem to transfer more naturally like you know where guys can show up and make an impression right away versus it takes a little while it's an interesting I don't know. question yeah nothing intuitively sort of jumps out one way or the other maybe there's nothing You'd know. have to control for age too, right? That's a good point. Yep. Like, you know, as a veteran guy, yeah, yeah. That's that'd be point. interesting. Yeah. I don't know because um, Louisville went really heavy transfer portal in the secondary, and feels also like they kind of nailed it. They like Brownlee for what it's worth, and 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 the other guys that they brought in, and I think they kind of showed against UCF. They were like, all right, screw it, we're relying on those guys and blitzing basically every single play midway through the second quarter on, and it worked. Well, that, uh, that fits with Brownlee's level of play and, and what he wants to do in general. Yeah. One of the more aggressive players I've seen. How long is he going to be playing with the uh, – with the not a not like a full cast on his hand, but looks like he has maybe the two or three middle fingers taped together. Do you know – It's not really slowing him down, but they're not – I mean, they're not even talking about it, so – Yeah, okay. It's not – yeah, that it, he might even be out of it by the time they play this week. Got it. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, uh, we're going to switch to the defensive side of the ball here, brought to you, of course, by Legendary Home Loans. Legendary Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN. I've used these guys twice. 450 NOLCAST listeners have also got their loan through the Legendary team. Chad and Shannon just do a tremendous job. I know a lot of you, lot of you saw uh, Shannon there in New Orleans. Great time hanging out. And uh, if you're looking for a home, you will probably need a home loan unless you're just totally flush with cash. So hit that line, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. It, it really is a great experience. I mean, Going through a home loan is never like super pleasant, but the, those guys make it make it worth it for you, make it easy, and then they walk you through the entire process, get you a great rate. So, Mark, uh, I have some questions about this defense. Um, Me too. Okay, yeah, uh, 126th in rushing success rate allowed is probably where I'll start because, well, if the shoot did not run Jordan Travis a lot, they do kind of have that button they can mash. I think if they need to, it, is that number? reflective of your level of concern of this run defense it's reflective of my concern if they try to play like say lsu did you know i think like lsu didn't run blitz and 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 come after fsu a lot and they've got the personnel you know to do that Louisville does not but they went to syracuse and tried anyway and it was a very sort of you know under control uh conservative rush three rush four 
uh, you know, read and react to what Syracuse was doing. And some of that was, I think, kind of uh, uh, fear out of the fact that it was Robert and I and the Virginia coordinators had gone there. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. They're trying to guess. So they were very conservative. Uh, but against UCF, after at 14-7, is like 11 minutes in the second quarter. They really did blitz every single play for the rest of the game. Yeah. And I would suspect you'll get a game plan similar to that. And it's it's kind of a what's our best option kind of thing here. Like, I don't think they're great anywhere, but they're probably like pretty good in the secondary. They got eight guys they really like and feel good about. And then the the front seven is basically Momo Sonogo and Monty Montgomery, the two inside linebackers, pretty pretty good. And the defensive line is not. The defensive line is meaningless. Like they're just not. They don't disrupt almost anything. And so, so there's no dude this year. Like I felt like every time after you go up and play Louisville, they would have one dude who's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, there's guy. no Sheldon Rankins or somebody. You know, there's nothing like that at all. And it's if for them to be a good rush defense, they're gonna have to be they're gonna have to run blitz. They're just gonna have to. They don't have disruptors. And Jermaine Lole, they were hoping he would be that. You know, the Arizona State transfer hurt his elbow in the first game. He's out for the rest of the year. Uh, and instead, they rotate a lot of guys and blitzed all of them all the time against UCF. Now, that worked because Plumlee is a terrible thrower. I could not believe the halftime interview with Gus, by the way. Like, did you? I don't know if you were watching the game on TV or if, or if you made the trip, but man. What did he say? I don't, I don't recall. He goes, uh, we, we got to start throwing the ball against these looks they're giving us. I was like, no, 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 you're being baited. This is not, this yeah. is not what you should do. Like, Louisville's trying to trick you into not running it with your running back of a quarterback. Like, yeah. if you they, they had 38 dropbacks, Mark. Well, let me ask you guys to like put Jordan Travis on a spectrum between Plumley and Garrett Schrader. Okay, so or like, is he between them? You tell me. Prior, I would have definitely had him. I, well, I'd never seen Schrader. It's an interesting question because to me, Schrader had never been a good passer before, yeah. and I think has been a much better passer this year through literally like one game, Jordan, like Jordan had the best passing game he's ever had against LSU. I think he had like, depending on how you want to grade it, zero or one turnover worthy passes. And he had a lot of big time throws and it's a credit to LSU secondary that they tackled as well as they did. Otherwise FSU would have had a lot more explosives. Like I didn't think LSU secondary coverage wise was amazing, yeah. but they got guys on the ground quickly. You didn't see a ton of like explosive run after the catch run type the stuff. Catch stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, if Jordan can play like that, then I think he's potentially right there on – like he's playing as well as, as Schrader's playing through the same number of games to me. Uh, I've never seen him throw the ball like that. So obviously it's going to be like, whoa, can you continue to do this? He's definitely a little bigger if you see him. Like he's got that whole I'm I'm 23. Yeah, I've put on a lot of weight since I transferred from Louisville type thing going on. Yeah, um, There's some like grown man maturity about him right now. And yeah, I, I think if they have to blitz like crazy, he is more equipped to make them pay certainly than Plumley was. I also think that had Florida state not started out zero and four last year, that people outside of Tallahassee would have paid more attention to the back half of the season that Jordan had. And it was much, much improved and a, a very much, you know, in route to the player that, uh, you know, you think he's blossomed into at this point. I agree what Bud was making throws against LSU that we haven't seen. And a lot of his more impressive throws were dropped. And probably his least impressive throw was the flea flicker throw, which was just took yeah. a while to get out and kind of underthrown. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. It certainly looks like he has made 
significant, significant progression to the quarterback. Well, I would still expect, you know, I just don't think Louisville's got tons of options in terms of a, a way to attack what FSU does. Uh, I think I see an offensive line that's, that's certainly better than it has been with Florida State the last couple of years. I think they'll look at this and say they've got to do something pretty close to what they did against UCF. Uh, this is a team that has a running quarterback and can run the ball well and throw it well enough. And with UCF, they kind of dared Gus to just sort of throw your home run balls. It almost looked like the old Baylor offense. It was like there's yeah. just, th- just these huge chucks, and we had to catch mm-hmm. them or we don't, and that's it. And UCF couldn't do it at all. Uh, I suspect it will be a bigger challenge for Louisville this week than than UCF was. Although I think UCF's got good receivers. That what they did with them was terrible. Yeah, it, Gus's dropback stuff is is bad, man. Well, it's Scott's back dropback stuff is bad. Well, they're both like you know running play action type coaches. They would typically. never throw it if they had to. Like if right. they could, they would never throw it. And then Gus just decides, "Hey, we're gonna break this out. We're 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 a throwing team." And I'm like, "Look, you can beat." I, I thought they could have beaten Louisville, sticking with the run game. Like I, Plumlee was going to pop one, I think. You know, just with how athletic he is. But they, 38 dropbacks. I don't know if you saw the EPA stat I put out, but they were, uh, yeah. they were 100 percentile in that game, national by the national average of efficiency on run plays. Two point nine yards per play in the second half. Yeah, terrible. Like Louisville shouldn't be able to do that to anybody. No. Okay, I got a question for you here. Given how much they've blitzed, right, are you surprised that Louisville has been roughly okay at explosive play prevention compared to their success rate? Like, I would think, okay, a really heavy blitz team is giving up some explosives when they miss, but the success rate is not that great because they are knocking people off the ball, getting them behind schedule, that kind of stuff. It's weird, like. They give up a huge success rate and almost no explosives in comparison. Louisville's numbers are are, are really weird, though, because they, it's almost like two different teams. They didn't yeah. blitz Syracuse at all, and they just sort of stood and played kind of a, a traditional read-and-react kind of defense and gave up everything. And then against UCF, after about a quarter, like, screw it, we're going to go nuts. And so I don't really know what's really them and what the numbers really reflect anyway. Uh, but I, I thought UCF, especially the aggressive portion, like the way that that game turned out was kind of a reflection on Gus doesn't have a way to attack this. And his tendency is to not not be able to attack that particularly well. And I think Florida State probably will be more adept at that. I mean, there is like a Schrader. Do we do we want to still call him a running quarterback like a, he? He's always been a runner first. To I was me. Gonna, like, like the, are you debating the runner or the quarterback part? Yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I you can't debate the runner part. And he's like FSU has seen a lot of Louisville's answers now for defending running QBs with this set of players on their defense. Sure, right? I mean, like, like because Plumlee obviously as, as well. I, I'm curious as to what they have for them, you know, and to see what Louisville's counters will will be to that. You know, like I, it, it's that's kind of one of the fun chess matches in this to me I, I will note like almost all of FSU skill guys are new starters who are transfers so and they're big yeah they yeah the, the Benson kid is the guy who didn't do a lot against LSU but he actually has I think some real juice to him um he's a big back but can can go if you like let him get going um Pittman they did pretty good with Bowser for what it's worth yeah. you know with UCF yep. but also they kind of gave up on Bowser so they helped yeah, well, against Wilson, that look, you got to throw. Even yeah, if you're you got you can. Team, right? you, well, they're dictating to us. Uh, yeah, Wilson's real big. Wilson also fights the football sometimes. He doesn't play big. Struggles to catch the ball. Um, 
but has also progressed more than I thought he would. He's he's further along than I ever thought he would be. The player is is Spain of the four transfer wide receivers they took, uh, and Wright would be as well. The kids. So this will be it. a great matchup of like five transfer DBs and four transfer yes, wide receivers, absolutely. none of which played in last year's game. Yes, <laughs> welcome to the future of college football. That's right. Um, yeah. And wasn't Keytrail hurt last year? The, 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 uh, the not little, by the stud corner. I don't not by the FSU. She might have been. It was around. Maybe even in the FSU game. I don't recall okay. when he got hurt. But yeah, they didn't hardly have him. So for FSU fans at home, like before he went down, he was a stud. I don't know. Like I don't have numbers on him this year, but like he was really good corner in the ACC in a league it's, that had some nice corners. And it's funny the way that they they'll they'll sell you on guys. Like the coaches will be like, this guy is going to be really good, and he's either exactly what they say or trash. Right, like that. So they told us, like Keytro Clark, like this dude, trust us. I know he was at Liberty. He didn't go to camps. He's a little skinny. He transfers in here. You guys are gonna love this dude. He was awesome. Like from day one, he's been great. But then they'll tell us, you know, I'm not even gonna trash an individual sure. guy. But they're like, look out for this guy. And then this, this is what I call the Rick Trickett syndrome, Mark, because <laughs> Rick Trickett would tell you, like, can't be good, whatever it is. This guy's either gonna be. This guy's either gonna redefine the center position, and then you'd see him and be like, this guy can't freaking play football dog don't or, define it like that or he'd yeah. say oh this guy's trash and he'd end up being a three-year starter for you right. or vice versa but he was he was either real big real real small and uh they're never sort of right about anybody yeah that's true that's true yeah. do, do you ever notice that uh like at least in my experience when they're wrong about a guy it's almost always a guy they recruited who they want to be good wow yeah little I mean, little pr inside the messaging yeah, because we spent money and all this stuff on this guy. That was our guy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, especially at that position. I'll have to think right? about it more, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, Wrapping up with a, a macro question for me anyways, sure. Mark. Um, is Kentucky slowly becoming a football state, more of a football state? I mean, it's always ba so. basketball is going to rue the day, and, you know, Kentucky's uh, basketball coach and football coach can argue with each other over resources and stuff like that, but – um, just from afar, certainly seems like, you know, the state is, is trending a little bit more football as we, uh, I guess, kind of as everybody is, but as we go further, further through the, the college sports experience. Yeah, we, we have this discussion sometimes like Louisville and Kentucky are basketball schools. And I was joked the other day about the old big East being all schools that would rather be watching basketball by and large is what the old big East used to be, but Louisville and Kentucky both, it it makes me wonder if, like, if your school just gets good at football, does it always take over? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what. Like, if Duke just sort of somehow plugged into something and Cutcliffe sort of sustained something closer to what he did for those couple of years where they were really good, would it have – like, it just seems like it's a stronger drug. And, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, I think it, it, it is growing and sort of seeping in. And Louisville – Interestingly enough, like Kentucky's just been bad, but they've been playing big football for a long time, mm -hmm. just not very good. Now they're good, and like now they're really good. Louisville's a baby fan base, so they you you mentioned at the beginning that the new uh, club level thing with Angels Envy. One of the things they did was put uh, made these speakeasies, these little rooms you can rent and watch the game with like a handful of your friends in your own bar, and they've got these giant posters of old game programs for Louisville. And they're like, it's, it's, we're talking like, like 1989. <laughs> well, 1970s. And they're playing Dayton. Uh huh. Right. And, and Elon. Yeah. 
in the 70s, guys, Louisville was playing that. And so Louisville's got about a generation and a half of, of major college football under its belt. And it's a they've, it's amazing they've been able to sort of fake their age the way that they have. But, yes, to answer your question, it is kind of taken over. And we just watched Mark Stoops win a PR battle against the Kentucky basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is Unheard true. of. Uh, hard to hard to fathom even 10 years ago. But, yeah. You hear, here's a great example of, of how it's going. Kelly Craft is running for governor of Kentucky, running for the Republican nomination. And she has her and her husband's name is on the basketball practice facility. She announces she's running for governor. Mitch Barnhart tells every coach at UK, the athletic director, don't we don't promote individual candidates here. You keep your mouth shut because whoever the governor is, we're going to need him. Right. Every coach silent. Mark Stoops and Vince Merrill retweet both of them. (laughs) They do whatever they want. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for them. Oh, man. Um, All right. Quick. One last kind of question for you. Louisville, and this is probably just, hey, they played two good teams so far. Most teams have at least one cupcake, if not two. They're 129th in points in the red zone so far this year per yeah. trip. Is there something that is like, giving them problems down? Like, like, like You've seen their red zone trips more than I have, or at least you probably thought about this compartmentalized what. Is there something they're doing down there that is just not working? Is it just small sample set type stuff? I mean, it's two games and red zones, even smaller sample set than, than games, right? But is there something that stands out to you about that? I think it's a, it's not one thing. You know, it's a collection of they're not a, a mashing man ball thing. Uh, I think Scott outthinks himself sometimes, outsmarts himself sometimes in – just like you get to the one yard line against Clemson, you get four plays last year and it was all rolling and Malik reading and throwing and not just one time, just trying to just hand it to a big ass running back and run forward, you know, just one time. Uh, it's And then they've been heavily sort of mistake laden penalties, you know, that, that sort of thing. So it's been like tiny little things uh, to the degree that they ever develop sort of being a more physical running team, sort of just intentionally being able to run downhill. It would help, it would be the biggest help there. So it's just kind of a collection of four or five different weaknesses that sort of rotate around whatever each red zone possession. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, you got a you got a prediction for this one? Have you thought about it yet? I don't have a prediction. I've thought about it nonstop. I feel like it's. Uh, I listened to uh, Parker and those guys on the like the Bet US one thing yesterday. Like they're like, this is the most fifty fifty thing ever. All three of them. These are gambling guys. Like I'm staying away from it. And I'm. I mean, yeah. if I was a gambler, that's kind of what I would do. I feel like you could see anything. You could see absolutely. We don't know what Louisville would look like at home. We don't know what Norvell would look like on a road road game. They haven't played well up here in a while. They've actually uh, not. Uh, they they've won a road game under Norvell, but they've not. They've actually never been favored on the road. I believe since he has been in Tallahassee. The line makes sense to you. Well, the FSU is getting a point and a half too. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, like my my computer say 28-24 FSU. Yeah, I think Bill uh, Collins was like 26, 23, something like that. You know, my so, thing is like, I I could see a lower scoring game than people think. Because I'd go they, under if I was going to bet. Yeah, my thought is like, all right. Louisville's weakness defensively has been allowing explosives, right? And they've been pretty... Run explosives. You know, well, excuse me. Yeah, but like... Yeah. Louisville probably tried to not allow explosives, right? FSU, I think certainly does not want to allow explosives in this game, given I think their strength is probably their front seven and their safeties, not not their corners at this point. I don't know that Louisville is really – like, is Louisville going to go tempo again? Because, like, they really have not been doing tempo much this year. At times they would go fast under Sat, but, like, it's not 
you can tell like, he doesn't believe it, yeah. right? Like you, there'll be drives where they come out and like we're going to be tempo, and like three plays in, like yeah, it's fine. We'll just do the normal stuff again. <laughs> like it's he doesn't believe that that really helps anything. Now, a more of a three uh, spread out kind of personnel and formations and that sort of thing, I think you you will see that. But tempo, I don't, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference for them. That makes sense. Yeah, I would not want to play this FSU team in a phone booth. Yeah, like they're right. they're a big front right. seven. Right. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Awesome, man. Well, Mark, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell everybody where they can, they can catch the radio show. Yeah, uh, 93.9 The Ville here uh, in Louisville, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, and we'll have uh, pregame coverage on Friday. We kind of are the pregame show on Friday, so uh, check us out. And if you guys make the trip, come say hello. I'll be out there uh, at Cardinal Stadium. So we, now that we are like the broadcast partner, we're going to be there. We do everything from the stadium there for home game. So it's our first home game as that. So it'll be fun. Come by, say hello. Awesome, man. Good catch up, buddy. Anytime, guys. Great talking to you, Mark. All right, awesome. So let's go ahead and get into our prize picks segment now. Uh, prize picks, of course, sponsoring the show this year. And we have a couple of prize picks to talk about this week. You can use our promo code NOLCAST, promo code NOLCAST. You can also use our download link in the show description, both on, uh, can we say iTunes again? Are we back on Apple Pods? Yeah, it cool. looks like we're we're, we're loaded for the time being. Absolutely. All right. Here and, and now. YouTube, Spotify, everywhere that uh, you like to find us. We have a couple picked out, and uh, these are mostly from Ingram this week, and I, I think he's on the right track here, man. I, I, I like what you have. Why, why don't you let the people know what our prize picks are for uh, for this game and maybe also throughout the weekend? Yeah, so the two that jumped out at me in the game, uh, well, there's three from Florida State's game. There's also, because we're recording a day earlier, not all of the options are available uh, as of right now. I particularly have an eye on a couple games that haven't quite made their way to the prize picks board yet, but, um, and look, I don't, uh, you know, we, we try to pick what we think we're going to happen, not what is going to happen. Personally, uh, Tyon Evans, the Louisville running back with a fantasy score at 11 and a half. I think that may be a, sh- uh, a shade under, I, I yeah. you know, I, I'm going to go over there. Uh, Malik is at two Oh five, five and Jordan is at two twenty five, five, two twenty five point five, but, I am. Uh, I think I've disassociated my fandom when I think that you can play that Jordan number and have some degree of confidence uh, that he'll go over that. But it's a good benchmark as to if you've had the evolution of a quarterback that you think you've had uh, to get away from the Florida State game. Devin O'Leary at only 268 yards and a half against Texas Tech. I think that is a, a good play on the over there. So. Again, we're a little bit early. We'll tweet out our uh, official picks Saturday morning when we have a full, uh, you know, a full board of which to go by. Uh, but these are just a couple picks to keep in the back of your mind. Again, Prize Picks, great partner for us. Uh, Bud has turned down associations like this for about three years in a row just because he didn't believe in the partner. Um, and we're ever so fortunate to be able to pair with somebody that we have a ton of confidence in, and we think you guys should as well. Nolcast is the coupon code for your deposit match back or your deposit equaled. And uh, again, those are the three that we have on the board now, and we'll send out a tweet Saturday morning when we can make a more thorough evaluation. I don't know if you guys can see this, but I actually did hit a nice one on Saturday. Check this out. So I don't know if, uh, is that on the screen there? Check that sucker out. Little, uh, little, little three, three team power, three, three, uh, three pick power play. There, so, nice. Uh, it, Hendon Hooker over pass yards, right? I needed to go over 254. He had 325. 
Adrian Martinez under passing yards because I thought Kansas State would just use him as a runner. And when I saw that it was raining really badly in that game, I was like, oh, yeah, this is Kansas State's not going to throw the ball a million times against Missouri in the rain. And then C.J. Stroud, more than three passing touchdowns. Figured there was some chance he lands on three, but uh, four, in my mind, was a lot more likely than just two. So that that uh, that was a little 5X combo there for me. Uh, and my, my count is looking better. Five times multiple. Nice. I lost an yeah. NFL play because Lamar Jackson threw an interception with 90 seconds left. And then oh, no. in a game that wasn't competitive, and then the guy ran to midfield and like hit his knees. And I didn't think he was actually mocking me for losing prize picks, but I was rather furious about it. And then I found out the guy found out his father died right before the game and he was honoring him. Oh, so I felt like a absolute, uh, absolute wanker, but uh, no, I, I flirted with a good one there, but didn't quite hit it. Uh, did have Jameis go off in the fourth quarter against the Falcons to make sure I hit that one as well. But prize picks, I've had a hell of a lot of fun with it. And we think you guys would as well. I, uh, I do feel like this makes games more interesting to watch, right? It, it, to me, it, it's, it's, uh, it's Fine, a really man. cool DFS I mean, thing. I yeah. put down a very small amount of money, and I don't care about anything about the NFL. Nothing. Uh, but it does help on Sundays. I'll keep an eye out for things. Makes the 4 o'clock game a hell of a lot more interesting if you got somebody in it. And, uh, yeah, they're just uh, – it's it's a nice, fun little entertainment. Your, your guy Jameis came through, by the way, late. Oh, I mean, big, Jameis, big time. Uh, he, he waited. He waited. And then he <laughs> looked like Jameis 2014 for about 18 minutes there. Pretty incredible. And, you know, continues to give some of the most hilarious quotes. Uh, my Some of the favorite stuff I do, obviously I love the hell out of the Nolcast, but I do do a pod in the UK talking about American sports and trying to explain – to Scottish people about the hilarity that is Jameis Winston is probably maybe my, the favorite thing I get to do in podcasting. Absolutely. That uh, is awesome. He said it just hurt. It hurts all over. Uh, but that's, that's Jameis. All right. Uh, so final segment here for today's preview show. I wanted to get this out to you guys as quickly as possible because this is a Friday game. Uh, this segment brought to you by Congruity, man. I know you've had a ton of success with, with Congruity with your own business and also with a number of Nolcast businesses. I love Matt Lewis. We love Matt Lewis. Our listeners love Matt Lewis. Uh, it is not just the individual. It's once you, you meet the guy, you realize how thorough he is and you realize how focused he is on helping your business. Then you realize that everybody else behind Matt Lewis at Congruity is, uh, is ex really exceptional and they have a level of product that I can only speak to my own personal experience with it, but absolutely blew away what my company was getting uh, previously from their um, you know, payroll and, and HR support. So uh, congruityhr.com is the website, as two other people have done this week. If you wish to reach out to me, rather it be direct message on Twitter or an email uh, for an introduction to Matt and his team, more than happy to do so. All right, man. So what would this mean for Mike Norvell and this FSU program if they go out there and get the win? I don't know if you check the polls, and I don't really care about polls. Like, I make my own power ratings, so I don't really – Pay attention to the polls that much, but I did see on our social media people tagged us. What? Why isn't FSU ranked? If they win this game, they're a ranked football team, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely think they're a ranked football team, and probably somewhere around twenty second, twenty first in the country, uh, which would be nice. It would be nice to look at FSU on football on on TV again and see a number associated with that helmet. That'd be cool. Um, there are elements of this bud that almost 
I don't want to make a, a complete comparison to like last year's Syracuse game because it's not a perfect comparison. But um, so many of the boosters that I know who I think are not just, you know, fans and, and I don't that's not a derogatory term, but people who have a little bit more of a detached view of things really put as much stock in. um Oh, hell, was it Syracuse or Boston College immediately after the Miami game last year? I'm sorry. I think I'm thinking of BC, actually, not Syracuse. Yeah, it had to be BC. So BC um, is the game that I'm thinking of. And so many boosters who I think are a little bit more knowledgeable about overall the program, the trajectory of the program, put a ton of stock in that game because they wanted to see Florida State come off an emotional win and go and handle business. Now, much easier said in, in the Boston College reference than I'm putting here, but if you're a Florida State team that can get over beating LSU in the manner that you did, have the extra work, and then go up there and put a complete performance together, uh, you know, uh, this program will be riding as high as it has since Dalvin Cook carried the ball. I mean, I mean, it will be a significant moment, and obviously it will do wonders for Mike Norvell. It will be the ultimate tonic for the negative recruiting that has transpired over the last six months or so as to, oh, Mike Norvell won't be there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also, and this is just a, a thing to keep an eye on, um, Florida State could have a scholarship problem, bud, and it could be a good problem to have because you're going to have some very desirable uh, interest from in, inbound transfer portal kids uh, if you continue to prove that you're a competent program that can bring in kids, plug them in for a year or two, and change their trajectories to where they're going as professionals. Uh, there's an awful, awful lot riding on the line in this game, especially at, at edge rusher. Right? I mean, what what if Verse ends up? Well, at edge plays rusher, a bunch more games like he played. What you're doing with Jamie in the secondary? Uh, I mean, there's what you're doing at the wide receiver position. Uh, if you continue to have success with Benson, I, I just I think Florida State sets itself up in a in a position to make up ground in a in a faster manner than maybe we could have projected. Jordan was a transfer, by the way, so yeah. you could claim quarterback, right? It, actually, Mike Norvell's success uh, with transfer quarterbacks uh, stretches back years. I mean, he, uh, like like almost all of his best quarterbacks have been transfers. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I could see, or may, maybe you're able to keep a quarterback home uh, who, you know, like hypothetically here, could Jordan Travis make more in NIL than he could on an NFL practice squad? I think so. Mm -hmm. Like how, how, old, how old is Jordan? What was his birthday? Just thinking about this. Travis would be. See, they used to list birth dates on these bios, and now I don't know if they do. I mean, he's a redshirt junior, right? He was class of. Uh, class of 2018. So he, that would be a sixth year player. Fred issue. So he, that would be like his age 24 season. I, man, I'll tell you what, like I, I, people will disagree with this. I think Jordan Travis, if he came back for one more year, unless you think he's getting drafted and I don't think he's to that level yet, I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. If, if I'm wrong, that means FSU's having an awesome season. But if he plays like one of the best ACC quarterbacks this year by college standards, which includes the legs. He, I mean, he could make multiples in NIL money to be a 24-year-old, come back, do the Chris Winkie thing, 
get your masters. Like he can make multiples of what he would make on an NFL practice squad. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if he continues the way he is, I could see Jordan Travis potentially making like two hundred thousand dollars worth of NIL money or something Shoot. like that next year. Uh, uh, that yeah. Is, that like, is multiples of what uh, of what you're going to get out there. And maybe I'm underselling him there. Obviously, we'll just have to see what happens, how he progresses, uh, and also if you've got a booster base that thinks that that you know you might be able to turn that corner all the quicker, and uh, a, another year of Jordan Travis will let you navigate that. Um, not to mention that we're all concerned with what's uh, what's there. If it's not Jordan, then yeah, uh, absolutely. You could look at a young man that gets paid quite nicely in a manner that's just not going to be available anywhere else. So, 100% agree. All right, man. Uh, do you have a prediction on this game? Uh, I like Florida State winning by a point, bud. And I, I don't, you know, 27-26, somewhere in that area, 28-27, whatever it is. It's, I, I think you're in the mid to high 20s, and I think Florida State wins by one. I'm going to go uh, FSU 27, Louisville 23. I, I, I think FSU gets this done. I do think that Louisville – I mean, look, there, there's a version of Louisville that beats FSU. There's a version of Louisville that gets blown out. I do not think FSU is going to get blown out. Like, I have a hard time seeing that. Unless the offensive line just regresses a whole bunch and Louisville's defense is just much better than I realize, and I don't necessarily think that it is. Uh, I do trust Jordan to score points in most games at this point, and I, I feel like FSU's defensive line is pretty good. They're going to have to play really well at linebacker because Malik is Malik's a good college quarterback, especially now that Louisville's not trying to make him into this pocket passer stuff like we talked to Mark about. Uh, I mean, obviously, 27-23, that doesn't mean I'm going nuts in terms of taking FSU here, but I think that's... I think that's kind of what we'll see. Some something in that range. Uh, maybe it shoots out. I just, if I'm FSU, I'm challenging Louisville's offense to be consistent. They've have so far been extremely explosive play dependent. They have not shown an ability, right, to operate in that manner and be consistent underneath. And I maybe, maybe they will, but I'm I'm pretty skeptical. They they have not played pitch and catch well. They have not really on a down to down basis run the football that well. They have lived on explosive plays. Can you be consistent? Sort of what FSU did to LSU, honestly. Hey, this is too high. Can you run against too high? Okay. If you can, maybe we'll cheat a half. If you if you get us on that, all right. Well, then we got to drop down another one, and and then it's then it's potential to open up explosive plays, and you might be in some trouble. But maybe you let that front eat, see how it does, and uh, and just see if you can contain Louisville. And and this is another game you'll have to be good in the red zone. Louisville's been a bad red zone team so far. You have to make that continue, in my opinion, uh, because. I do think they'll move the ball on you. So, you know, it's why to play the games. Oh, man, I'm excited. I'll, I'll have the instant reaction on this one, as I know you will be at the game. Happy to uh, hand that responsibility off to you, bud. Look forward to it. And uh, I am very, very excited about getting a chance to go up there on Friday. So it'll be fun. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. And with that, this has been the Nolcast.